Welcome, one and all, to this week's edition of the Bullhawk Sports Show, episode 52, and the second episode of season two. We're going to get right into the first five. We have some Kel Ray of exciting topics to break down before we get into this week's action. First, f- first five headline is from MLB.com. This is well-deserved Lawn overdue, in my view. And we have Lawn Ben in Major League Baseball honoring past players who played in the Negro Leagues. And before someone says that's an appropriate term, that's the name of the league. I'm not being racist or... I've, I've heard of that. That's one. what it's called. Yeah. So, Major League um, Baseball is adding the Negro Leagues to official records. So from 19... 19- 20s to the 1950s when the Negro Leagues was a league. All those players who played, now their stats will count in official Major League Baseball statistics. So players such as Jaws Gibson with 238 career home runs, Willie Foster, 150 career wins, Cool Papa Bell with 49 stolen bases in 1929, and of course, the great Satchel Page, who's one of the best pitchers in Major League history. He will be even more credit to him. He's one of those few guys who is already getting statistics due to playing in Major League Baseball as well as the Negro Leagues, where a lot of these guys only played in the Negro Leagues, but they well deserve to have their statistics enshrined in Major League Baseball lore. And there were seven leagues that compromised the Negro Leagues and they are Negro National League, the Eastern Colored League, the American Negro League, East-West League, Negro Southern League, the Negro National League, and the American Negro American League. And 35 Hall of Famers combined to produce them. So these seven leagues produced 35 Hall of Famers. And very good to see Major League Baseball take that initiative and really show the credit to these leagues that are well-deserved. And I'm not a big fan of Ron Manford at all. I think he's a shitty commissioner, but this is one of the few things he's done that I think is good. Speaking of good, we have some good news regarding uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, and and that will be my first overall headline. That is featuring finally, finally, a deal being reached with Giannis onto the Kupo, and that is their five-year, $228 million Supermax extension. So Giannis, we know he's a reigning two-time MVP, and he has finally settled after some time of speculation, all the different rumors, signs pointing that he would be part of a trade, you know, you know, even with the Bulls slightly involved. So, yeah, it will take a lot to get him. So, um, best thing, my projection was that he would stay with the Bucks, despite you know some of his mates um, heading out earlier uh, last month. And so, team officially announced this. Um, um, his agent also, Alex Sertis telling Woj that it will be a full five-year Supermax deal. 
And this also includes an opt-out after the fourth year. Atta Koopa had to say through Twitter that this is my home. This is my city. And I'm blessed to be able to be a part of the Milwaukee Bucks for the next five years. Let's make these years count. The show goes on. Let's get it. And he displayed a uh, brown heart and a praying emote. So I believe this is all he sought out after um, all this time. And uh, we uh, speculated, too, that, you know, we believe that Giannis is here to stay with his team that he uh, started his NBA career in and that uh, nowhere else to go. And, uh, you know, he might have said a, a few multiple times, though, I know in the beginning said that I'm going to be a, um, a buck for life. So I believe this, uh, this destiny that he, that he um, decided to stay, have an option, uh, making sure that he got the, the right offer. And so, um, he passed up, uh, you know, being an unrestricted free agent uh, next summer and uh, biggest uh, name during the market since Durant in 2016. So um, he is the third player in history to win both MVP and Defensive Player of the Year the same season. He joined uh, MJ and Hakeem Olajuwon in that department. So, uh, huge news, and uh, he went on to also say, um, this is a big moment for me and my family. I want to thank the Bucks organization for believing in us. He also went on on Tuesday, um, after the signing became official, that you take you took a chance on us eight years ago, and now putting my signature on a contract like this is unreal. So, this is uh, very much a... Uh, kind of a throwback to when you know the first time he joined and uh, just a few from NBC sports as well uh comments by jimmy butler of the heat he says that i like it i don't think you can go around him i don't think you can go around lebron either you can have to go through right through them you have to beat them so he's just named a few you have to beat sixers boston toronto a lot of squads in the east really good players um though he says he doesn't doesn't intimidate me none he gets excited for it and he wants to go up against the best and my guys want to go up against the best that's i would show we belong that's how we get our respect so of course miami you know overcoming the odds and becoming that so-called uh kingpin of the east and lebron uh in short had to say that um uh, my situation and his situation, there's no similarities in it. So totally different. Let's try to build something great for him, and they obviously did enough to keep him there. I think it's great that he's staying there, that he's committed to that franchise. So, yeah, Kendrick Perkins also did, as well as uh, recently competed at NXT TakeOver War Games. Pat McAfee, uh, you know, along with uh, fellow... Uh, Let's just say uh, a Bucks owner, Aaron Rodgers, um, talking about the league. My second headline is about Chicago Blackhawks. And I'm going to go on a rant 
so I apologize if it gets over wind, long winded. Shades of Spike Ferris late night show on Fox back in the day. <laughs> Rant and rave. <laughs> well, so the Blackhawks, we have openly admitted we are in a rebuilding situation. Evidenced by we did make the playoffs in that weird bubble format, which obviously it was a real season. We would have been eliminated long ago, but we made it. And we fired months ago John McDonough, who was the president of the Blackhawks. He was fired. And Stan Bowman was the general manager. And there was talk he might be fired, possibly due to the lack of success as of late. We have been swept out of the playoffs four years ago, three years ago, two years ago. We missed the playoffs. Last season, we would have missed it, except this weird bubble format. And Stan Bowman did get us free Stanley Cups in the last two, in 2013-2015. We're definitely due to, in part, to how he built the team. But he basically has unlimited lives. I think he should have been fired. But... Danny Wirtz, Rocky Wirtz's the owner's son, decided, no, he needs more power, more. So instead of firing, they gave him general manager and president of hockey operations. So now he has even more power. So now it's impossible to fire him. That would make no sense to give him more power and then fire him. So at this point, he's becoming one of the most powerful men in Chicago sports. And this is a problem, too, because since they gave him this, he doesn't really have a boss. So now no one can really look at Sam Bowman and like critique his performance since he is that guy. So it's weird call by the Blackhawks, which I don't really understand, to be honest. second one most will understand is regarding the red stars and just a few uh tidbits to mention uh, in that is first i have um this was through the end of this so that uh that we represent and uh, 15 players featured uh in the nwsl this year for the top 100 women's players in the world, which we'll get into sometime, um, featuring, uh, you know, our favorites like Dabinia, Christine Sinclair, Rachel Daly. Julie Ertz. And, of course, yes, Julie Ertz, as well as uh, Alyssa Nair. So, congrats on them. Shea Grimm also actually made that in Haran as well. And then we also have uh, J.J. Watt, who wore, he represented as well with uh, his neighborhood kit, uh, for his uh, new, newly married, I would say <laughs> his new wife, yeah. uh, new wife uh, Kalia, wearing uh, number two, the Red Stars kit, and in going into uh, the Bears uh, Texans game, which he is part of the Texans. I thought that was very intriguing, and then um, there's also actually. Um, what's already uh, they probably came up uh, with voting by now starting that process though uh, fans were asked uh, to be part of history to submit their ideas for the Harlem end that remained open at midnight a few days ago 
um, to fill out this Google form and that they want to basically redo sort of part and basically uh, rename it, you know, different departments. And so this section special to me. I definitely uh, was there majority the time when I went to the matches. Yeah, um, especially exciting that they're going to rename the Harlem End. So they've started the hashtag Harlem End press start and that uh, a vote will be coming uh, sometime later this week, I'm assuming that by Friday, so fans have input on that. And also, last bit of news is that there's hashtag my kind of podcast, and I have got word that uh, one of my uh, fans that I know that I, uh, my his name is Connor, and he now works for, he was interning a while when I talked with him um, the first time, uh, second time, um, at a game, and he actually is part of their, like, um, communications department, um, and he also has, also has a podcast as well, talking all sports, including women's soccer, of course, and with that, naturally, he is starting a podcast and it's official red stars tweeted out i don't believe you get news anywhere else that red stars are going to start a podcast so it's gonna feature uh sarah lubert and zoe morris as co-hosts and um how i know connor um is basically through when i met my um, red stars sister uh, and friend uh, Jess and uh, so relation there is that um, they uh, Connor is Jess's uh, boyfriend so we have that um, I'm definitely closer with Jess of course so yeah it's amazing to see um, something like this and that we have an official uh, podcaster here now um, and actually Red Stars I'm actually looking for a graphic design intern as well and so, yeah, there's some cool opportunities and cool um, offerings by the Red Stars. And definitely proud to uh, to uh, see the start of a, a new uh, project with them. Uh, excited for that podcast uh, when it comes out. All right. We've reached the fifth and final first five headline. This one. We're going to talk about the Portland Winter Hawks of the WHL's logo. And you might wonder, who are they? Now, the WHL stands for Western Hockey League. Um, CJ can explain it well, though. It is a major uh, junior ice hockey, so from the ages of 16 through 21, players can uh, play. I uh, figure this one is not co-ed, right? This is uh, men's. Yeah, uh, Western Hockey basically a, a male juniors league yeah the western hockey league is basically uh where young guys get their start and a lot of young guys who play there in the future could end up in the nhl it's basically like college age yeah like sophomores all the way up to uh um college, college age guys uh, you know like the year before they 
Like um, it's slightly different than soccer. Like Patrick Kane. Like Patrick yeah. Kane played in the WHL. Yeah. Yeah. yeah That's amazing story. So yeah, it's connected with. Uh, it constitutes the Canadian Hockey League as well, um, as the highest level of hockey in Canada. And of course, it's all based in Western Canada. Uh, no surprise, because NHL is partly there, and then the Northwestern United States. So, with that, we have a kind of reveal, if you never know, is like a hidden gem, that this league, I found, the story goes, today I actually found this bit of news that's, um, so it started with, early in the afternoon, I was watching uh, WWE's The Bump, which is their weekly uh, interview, you know, superstars, some celebs at times, so they focus on their superstars, no matter what brand, um, they come on and then they talk. So today we had a, uh, they had the uh, WWE Hall of Famer, the legendary Rick Flair, the Nature Boy, and he was talking about how he's a fan of uh, Damian Lillard. So how he mentioned with Big Dame, you know, uh, getting a chance to be, um, you know, a host or you know, getting to announce for them, uh, kind of MC for a little bit earlier in the year. Um, for the Trailblazers um, at the Motor Center, which, you know, is beloved. It's formerly known as uh, Rose Garden. That changed since 2013. And so the Motor Center, I looked under the tenants. Of course, we know that, you know, there might be some hockey, basketball, what have you, that's for sure. And what do you know? They have a, uh, you know, what's under the pros, the WHL, Juniors League, that features the Portland Winter Hawks. And I went to their pace, see what they're all about. And so, of course, they won uh, the Ed Chinawith Cup, for uh, originally the OG name, President's Cup, three times before. And also, they've been successful with the Memorial Cup. Um, that's uh, last time in 1998 and 2013. So, the heart of the matter is that their logo looks so much like the Chicago Blackhawks logo. Same color scheme, and uh, CJ could tell you more about that. Yeah, so our final comment on it, similar logo to Chief Blackhawk, the logo... Different town. (laughs) Yes, it's in Portland, not Chicago, but very similar with similar feathers, similar facial structure this the color's a little different um blackhawks one's a little bit darker this one's a little bit lighter but overall very similar and i think it looks good as a not like rich rich professional league they it looks good logo definitely it just takes you know inspiration and uh, it's kind of cool that basically the Blackhawks are represented in a way, you know, you went to see seeing double. Uh, yeah, just very intriguing. And uh, I never thought that we would see this, uh, this uh, type of deal. And yeah, just a lighter skin and, you know, the details on there. Uh, one more thing is that, uh, you know, how is this not connected is that uh, through the Winterhawks wearing their jerseys, looking similar to the NHL team, 
uh, Chicago, and then, uh, you know, many assume that uh, Portland, their Winter Hawks, are a part of a minor league farm team for the Blackhawks. Don't actually tell you that they're originally worn by the first Winter Hawks team back in the day, and they used set up Chicago jerseys obtained through connections. Uh, it must have been, uh, you know, buddy-buddy between the owners between the two teams and then early photos suggest that the old jerseys are identified by identified by these letters C with cross tomahawks as we know on the shoulder crest and then eventually they changed it to differentiate from a C to a P and furthermore that the Portland Chicago connection is deeper than that um, as the Blackhawks were founded in 1926 by Frederick McLaughlin and then um, he bought the contracts most of the members of the Portland Rosebuds and brought them to Chicago. And so the briefly on the Rosebuds, they were um, a men's hockey team um, back in the day. And how that's connected is very intriguing as well. So both teams played their uh, home games on uh, Portland Ice Arena which was on a 2000 seater uh, also back in the day. And then, um, so actually the first Rosebuds are notable for being first, the first American-based team to compete for the Stanley Cup. And that the second Rosebuds notable uh, in that their roster was based around, they were used to build the NHL expansion for the Chicago Blackhawks. If you look at that. That concludes our first five. Stay tuned for more Chicago Blackhawks, Bulls, Bears, Red Stars, and beyond. Very positive. <laughs> beyond. Same. Welcome, Bull and Hawk Acolytes. We are back <laughs> for some more talk on the Bears this time. Chicago Bears. <laughs> the Bears. Seeing the, the whole thing with NBA, whatever James wants. <laughs> Again, <laughs> it's hilarious. Gosh. We'll get to that later. He's um, not with the Rockets culture, man. Say <laughs> So the Bears took on the Houston Texans. And the storylines before this game that kept going on and on and on and on and on and one more time was that the Bears could have drafted Deshaun Watson but chose Mitch Trubisky instead. And that was talked on at nauseum. Every single uh, every single news outlet that you could think of, ones that don't cover sports, couldn't wait to Get talk this. about it. Get this. Watson's actual first name is Derek. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> I guess they didn't want to offend uh, JJ since his, uh, <laughs> his one of his brothers is. <laughs> so, um, so the Texans came in at four and eight. Bears came in at five and seven. Bears coming in on that abysmal losing streak had one in six games. Texans came in cold. They had that devastating loss to the Colts the week prior when they almost won, but collapsed at the end and the team and this was quoted by Romeo Cornell the coach at the end of the game when they had lost by blowout status 
he said that the team just didn't have it in them. They felt like they didn't want to play. They didn't really have any enthusiasm for this game. And that was evidenced by getting their asses kicked by the Bears. And Mitch Trubisky has shown to be very successful against bad teams. That is something that he's done well. He usually can beat up on crappy teams. And the Texans are a bad team. Deshaun Watson, very good. They have Larry Matunsel on the offensive line is good. But mostly all their best wide receivers are hurt and not playing. So Deshaun Watson had barely any weapons in this game. And the run game is pretty much crap. So that was the Texans prospects. Now we'll get to the game. And Mitch Trubisky got some added relief early on when Dave Montgomery, 80-yard touchdown run, run, awesome run by Dave Montgomery. And this is something I've been complaining about forever. Dave Montgomery has explosiveness. He has good, good instincts as a runner. But Matt Nagy's like, I don't like running. I only want to throw the ball. So he'll never give it to Dave Montgomery. And Dave Montgomery, and Dave Montgomery will sit there and wilt away. And he didn't did this in this game. Dave Montgomery got a lot of touches early on, but then Matt Nagy closed the playbook and said no more running plays. Which doesn't make sense when the man had one of his best games in a while. But he had an 80-yard run. Texans, of course, fumbled it away. Then Bears scored again at the end of the first quarter when Trubisky, nice five-yard pass to Jimmy Graham, who Jimmy Graham was expected when they signed that one-year deal to have a big impact on this Bears offense. But as of late, the past few games, they've started getting Cole Komet, the rookie tight end, more involved, which is finally. Every week, he said the same annoying dribble, saying he needs more touches. He needs more. More snaps. And he was getting like five snaps. Like, well, no kidding. But if you don't give him any snaps, how's he going to get any touches? And they scored 14-0 Bears. Second quarter, Sean Watson had a nice pass to Ketu for five yards. 14-7 Bears. And then the Texans' offense shut down and never scored again. And the Bears took advantage of their crappy play. And Trubisky had a nice touchdown to Darnell Mooney. Another nice pass to Allen Robson. So they get 30-7. They had a field goal in the third quarter. And then in the fourth quarter they scored to make it 36-7. And the Bears pretty much controlled the whole game. Easily won 36-7. Blowout. Texans came in like they didn't care. And when you have that attitude, that mental aspect... Results like that often happen. They came in not giving a shit and they lost. And the Bears picked up a... There's two sides to this. The one side is it drastically hurt their draft pick status. If they lost this game to move to 5-8, and eight, they would have been closer to getting a higher draft pick. Maybe 9-10-8 range. But with this win... They get more to the 12-13 status, which isn't great considering either are they going to roll with Nick Foles next year? 
is Trubisky going to pack up his Bears gear and move on at the end of this season? And the, the quarterbacks are available in the 12-13 range aren't fantastic with names such as Alabama's quarterback Mac Jones or Florida's quarterback Kyle Trask, who are fine, but neither one of them screams savior or can turn around this Bears team to superstar level. And we'll see what they decide to do. But the next game against the Vikings, so next week we finish this one, that previewing that one against the Vikings is either a win. If the Bears win, then their status is really up in there. Are they going to try and tank? Which wouldn't make sense. If they win out, let's say, they could realistically finish 9-7. And I'm not exactly sure with the playoff stuff. I think they could actually sneak in a 9-7 as like the last playoff seed at this moment due to how the bottom's kind of fallen off because the teams in the NFC that are already pretty much going guaranteed are the Packers, Saints. Those teams are way up there. The Rams, Seahawks, and then the winner of the NFC East. Which at this point, it looks like the Washington football team would probably be that team. And right now, seven teams can make it. So most likely, the team, the Cardinals could sneak in. Most likely, the team in the last spot, probably second place in the NFC Central, NFC North, might be able to sneak in. So if that was the Bears in IS7, they could sneak in. But I don't know if that's the best option. Because if they finish 9-7 and make the playoffs, could they really fire Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, which I think they should. But if they make the playoffs, Matt Nagy could say, I took you to the playoffs two out of three years, baby. That's pretty good. And he could try to convince the McCaskies that he delivered a playoff birth forget again, even though most likely even if they stuck in, they would lose easily in the first round. But we'll see what the McCaskies decide at the end of the year, and if the Bears finish, the worst record they could finish at would be um, six and ten, and the best they could finish at would be seven. Or yeah, somewhere around there. So nine seven would be the best. That include concludes our Bears talk, and I want to talk a little bit about some Premier League stuff. Before we move on to the big topic for today, which is Chicago Bulls' recent preseason matches, they're in their recent games. Talk a little bit about the Premier League. And this was a different week. They have these during the year where the teams play in Saturday, Sunday, Friday, and then occasionally they'll have a game on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, which they did this week. And Manchester City played. Yesterday, on Tuesday, match day 13 out of 38. And Manchester City, as of all year, I've been saying it at nauseum, they're very inconsistent. They'll have the games where they look like a team that can contend for top three berth maybe in the table. And then they have games where they just kind of look flat out of gas, lifeless. They had that against West Brom who's one of the worst teams in the Premier League. At this point, their chances of staying up in the Premier League are very low. 
But this draw helped them immensely. It moved them to having seven points, which is not awful. They're not that far behind Brighton, Fulham. They're not far that far behind those teams. And um, Burnley. So West Brom and Man City tied 1-1. Ilkay Gundogan had a goal in the 30th. And Ruben Diaz had an own goal in the 43rd minute. Ugh, big mistake. And that gave West Brom the much-needed draw. Which, if you look at the statistics, they obviously got blown away. With shots 26 to 5, shots on target 7 to 1, 78 to 22%. Possession passes 70 52 to 224. Overall, Man City dominated but could only get that one Ilkay Gunduan goal and then allowed the one own goal to not win. And Man City needs to try to take advantage of these. They've had plenty of games where they dominate all statistical possibilities but they could only manage one, two, measly goals and that's not going to cut it every week so they ended up drawing 1-1 that one better than a loss but not good enough for a team that has ideas of grandeur and then finally to wrap it up on the Premier League side today Fulham took on Brighton in a big game at Craven Cottage at home for the Whites and it's a little disappointed for me we took on Liverpool and drawed with them 1-1 in an awesome game. We almost won, but lost at the last second or so. And I was excited for this one, but it was disappointing because London right now had to move back to a different lockdown procedures and different zoning for COVID, moving to a different tier. So whereas at the Liverpool game, fans were allowed, 2,000 fans, zero fans were allowed at this game with Brighton. And the Whites and Brighton drew at nil-nil. Which is better than nothing. The stats overall were pretty much dead even. Fulham got a little bit lucky. Brighton could have scored, but a VAR and some luck from the officials kept us nil-nil. And that didn't... wasn't the best result. I wanted to save three points on that. Beat up a bad Brighton team, but with the draw... We now have nine points on the year. We moved out of relegation zone for now, passing Burnley. And we are only two behind Brighton, with, who is 11. We have nine now. And we're not that far from DJ Benning the Bulls' favorite team, Arsenal, in 15th. They've been horrible, so we're pretty close to them. And Newcastle, who are crap, and Leeds, who are okay. But not the best result, but not the worst result. I'll take a draw over a loss any day. So that concludes the Bears and Premier League stuff. And we're going to come back after the break to discuss the Chicago high-flying Bulls. Sports so supporters, we've reached the fifth, probably not the fifth, but third final segment four, episode 52, which is the Chicago Bulls. And they looked unbelievably great today. I was very proud of 
Leon Bulls getting the W against the Kelsey Thunder, who granted have completely rehauled their roster, getting rid of Chris Paul, Steven Adams, and Daniel Garnari. This is a very young Thunder team, just like the Bulls who are very young. Thunder have Shea Gilgis Alexander. They have Frank Jackson, Lucas Dort. They have the new guy, Aljuksi <laughs> Puvizeski, who they got yeah. in a trade with the Timberwolves. Yeah, if you mentioned Luke Wentz Dort. Yeah, Dort. Justin Jackson, Darius Blazley, Al Horford. Moses Brown, who's awesome. Moses Brown, I want to say, wow. I'd never seen him before. And I knew he was tall on the court. He looked tall. And DJ Benny the Bull looked his height up and he's 7'2". But the thing that's crazy is that his arms are probably bigger than my my legs. Like, if I was... My legs, like, his arms are bigger than my legs. He's, like, a huge wingspan. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. And, and the man looked like 160 pounds. He's 245 pounds. But, wow, he was... Sleek out there. Yeah, yeah. He's still, he's still, one of the young guys. He's still, he's yeah. Still a kid. So this was the Bulls' third preseason game out of four. First on the road at Chesapeake Bay Area Arena, taking on the Thunder. And this one, it started off hot for the Bulls with our boy. Zach Levine. Yes, yes. After 25 minutes. And, and Zach Levine was in in Fuego. He was on fire. He was fantastic with 6 for 6. Right away, he had 10 points. He was looking great out there. And he finally missed. Of course, it's hard to go perfect from four. That's insane. But he finally missed with a deep heat check three. That's what Stacey King said. He was a heat check when he shot a deep one from downtown and it missed. But still... Yeah, given the hot sauce. He said that multiple times. And Zach Levine was looking great out there. Much needed for the Spools team. And very good pretty much first half performance because pretty much after the first half they subbed him out to put in some of the reserves. And some other guys who had a great game, Kobe White, Kobe Sub-Zero White, another great game. I think handing him the keys was the best decision Billy Donovan and this front office could have made. He's looked really good so far. Of course it's preseason, but He's looked very good, and I think he gives us a better chance to win than um, Tomas Sanaransky would give us. So I think giving Kobe White the keys has paid dividends. He had 27 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, and Kobe White is the best you can have at a point guard. Good assist maker, good passer, but also a threat himself. He can get threes. He can get nice layups, money maker shots. So he 
is someone Silence. you need to pay attention to in passing and also pay attention to with the ball. Also give credit to uh, Danny Gafford. Yes, he had a great fourth quarter. He finished with only five points, so that doesn't scream, doesn't like jump off the page, but I missed. Actually, no, I saw all five of his points. He had a awesome rim-rattling dunk off a offensive rebound. Great dunk by Gafford. And after that one, he had that one with two points. And then later, he had an awesome harken back to the 1980s, 1990s, post-shimmy 180 dunk. And that was awesome. And then he got a free throw later, too. He finished with five points. But great job by Gafford. He looked like a man on a mission. He looked like he was furious at the rim, which Stacey King said. Stacey King said that Gafford looked like he was angry with the ball and he wanted to make the rim pay with his two dugs. <laughs> he had some hot sauce on his way to uh, to practice and also to uh, at, at the Advocate Center and also at the, into the, uh, the center, the United States. Or rather, at uh, Chesapeake Energy Bay, because he's gonna need that energy at the Energy Arena. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my thoughts from his play is that he's a great complement to Wendell Carter Jr. Because Wendell Carter Jr. is more of a mid-ranged center; he can shoot a little bit farther out. Whereas John Gafford is more of a in the paint, down low in the boxes, the trenches. So it's good to have two centers who can do different things. Because Jonathan Carter is probably the better passer. But Dan Grafford is probably the the guy you want is the bruiser down low. Speaking of coming from uh, the down low, our other boy, how about the all-star number six? Cristiano Felicio. And Felicio is just a fun guy on the court. He always looks like he's having fun. Even when he plays one minute or 20 minutes, he always looks like he's having fun. And he finished with eight points in this game. All in in garbage time, but still, that's great. Good job by him getting his eight points. And he had a nice floater. He had some nice in the paint shots. And also he did some good acting. He deserves a good medal for that performance. He was on trying to get a charge and he basically flopped and he got the call. Stacey King was like great acting by Felicio, but it worked. So Now was that face first or on the behind? Behind. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not as bad. Though. No, he didn't he didn't flop on his face. <laughs> yeah, he actually was knocked out, like, you know, at least so, so we, uh, so it appears. But, um, but his was more somewhat believable that he could have been flopping, like, fouled, whereas, um, Dort, his was absurd. He had a similar acting job where he looked like he was destroyed by, um, Gafford. 
he started screaming and fell to the floor. I was like, oh my god, oh! But that he did not touch like at all, which is ridiculous. But that was just funny too. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so let's go back to some more notable performances. Another great game by Pat Williams. He's really impressing me. His first start as, well, not first start ever, first preseason start, but still a first start for the Bulls. And they mentioned it was his first start in any basketball capacity since high school because he didn't start at Forest State. He was the sixth man. And Pat Williams. Bulls making him a star, basically. Oh, he looks very dependable. He's ready. They've mentioned he looks like a, he's been playing for a number of years in the NBA already, not brand new. Oh, yeah. And one thing I really like about him, he's a very nice high shot. What I mean by that is his release. He can angle it over guys' heads really well. He's done a really good job with being able to calculate and use the angles to his advantage over guys he has a height advantage over. And even guys that are taller than him, he's done a good job with being able to angle the ball and get it in, which is useful. Yeah, most uh, besides she too, Felicia and Gaffer, the majority of the, of the team, they had quite equal footing in this. Um, you know, you can also throw out uh, Norville Jr. Oh, yeah, you know, everyone getting like 20 or so minutes and uh, Williams get in 27, you know, that puts him up there as much uh, time as, uh, you know, barking in tonight, um, as well as uh, Hutchison and and White. So that, that's that right there, like going, you know, that far with them is uh, definitely also impressive. I want to give credit to Chandra Hutchison, 11 points, 7 rebounds. He had two awesome dunks. Stacey Kane mentioned that he thought Chandler Hutchinson's career was over, that he was going to be out of the league very soon due to not his fault, of course. I don't want to make it sound like he's trying to injure himself on purpose. That's ridiculous. But he hasn't been able to stay healthy at all during his Bulls tenure. But if he can stay healthy this year and focus on the tangibles, the little things, defense is his calling card, perimeter D, and... I thought he looked very good defensively. He played well, and offensively with some of those rim rattling dunks. Good job by Hutchison. And Lori Markkinen, thoughts on him: eleven points, nine rebounds. Still needs to work on what his role is. He's still shooting too many threes for my taste. And if he was making them all the time, I'd say what a stroke of genius by this Bulls team but he's not making them all the time for every 60 suits he makes one it seems which is okay to make one a game or so but he needs to start getting more in the paint use that seven footer size get more down low he's lanky he's the lengthy seven footer and maybe he can take advantage of those mismatches which he will have he can start getting some more offensive prowess and he had at least three instances for me that he used his size well on mismatches on defense and he managed to get four points out of that 
one he should have got, but it rolled out. So he could have had six points on inside, down low, mismatches. So to give credit to him for the rebounds, uh, nine, and up there with uh, Otto Porter Jr. Uh, himself with uh, Opie with twelve. So yeah, that's definitely uh, one of their strong suits. That yeah, puts them right next to uh, Carter Jr. as well. He's definitely uh, there with that though. Um, with uh, let's not. To also mention once again with Patrick Williams too, uh, seven rebounds. So he, he's definitely good that um, those departments, uh, not just a one-trick player. Uh, he's definitely uh, well-rounded. I agree. Yeah. And last is Kobe Sub-Zero White. Final thoughts on it. The glacier. <laughs> yeah, Kobe White. Silent, but deadly. That Not like Zach Levine, where you can pretty much point and click all of his 24 point, points. So, oh, okay, I remember when he got that. Oh, I remember that three-pointer from downtown. That dunk. Whereas Kobe White, this makes it look so easy. The lot of his points here, it's like, okay, he probably has like 15 points today. But then when you see the end of the game, he had 27. You're like, oh, wow. He had that many. Because that was my reaction. I had no idea he had 27 when the game ended. I thought he had like 15 at least, but not 27. The future is now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, right now, uh, super impressive. Uh, I love Wendell. Uh, I love Otto, though. Definitely you know, my top three favorites. Uh, right now, I'm sure are favorites of many. Um, though, of course, those two being ones that in the roster f- for a while. Uh, you know, that starts with uh, Levine, White, and, and Williams. Yeah, they're, they're, my, they're my favorite uh, on uh, Chicago right now. I think my favorites so far, or currently on the team, are uh, Kobe White, Laurie Markkinen, and probably Pat Williams or what a card, Zach Levine, one of those guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They will easily be in my five as well. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of cool, you know, have someone like OP, like, you know, he jumps in, he gets, you know, he the starter, the sites that they are taking a chance and getting uh, Pat Williams in there. Uh, who <laughs> remains numberless, though we know that he, uh, he does have number. Number nine? That's right. If I'm not mistaken? Yes, number nine. That's a good number. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, as a small forward. And uh, just imagine him with the mix um, with some other builds. be interesting um, to see, um, especially when, you know, you give up, like, Quindell or Markkinen to be uh, power forward. Let's say you mix in uh, Thaddeus Young or, you know, which I believe, the, you know, that's another good um, player to, to mix in there. Be interested, you know, for their first 
overall first uh, season game, which will begin uh, next Wednesday, though. Yeah, before then, you know, a second matchup against the OKC Thunder. I'd be interested to see. Uh, it's healthy enough, I hope. Uh, I'm sure they're going to want to mix it up, uh, the lineup again. Um, yeah, so that one's on at prime time at 7 p.m. local. So looking forward to that one. I wonder if the Thunder will come back uh, with Retribution, actually. Yeah. Maybe uh, get, uh, get one over, though. Yeah, I, at this point, I... I say the chances are, are lower as of now. Yeah, I think we're better than. Yeah, especially when they've lost um, some key players in CP3, also in Stephen Adams, as well as Gallinari. Uh, was Danny uh, Gallinari? And also, fun fact, Steven Adams is on my basketball fantasy team. Yeah, let's, let's, let's talk about uh, the fantasy league of yours. Yeah, so that concludes our Bulls talk. Now we're going to move on to this final few minutes. And I recently, on Monday, started in Yahoo Sports Fancy Basketball League, I've never done fancy basketball. I've only done fancy baseball. I did it two years in a row. This year I took it took it off due to the weird COVID pandemic season. I felt that wasn't really any reason to do it because it was so short. And where it goes with the basketball, there is rounds. And I had the num- number nine overall pick out of 12 in the, dra- the league. And my first overall pick was Devin Booker. And I had a little bit of... Always wins in the bubble, Booker. I had some thoughts, because the options for me was either Trey Young or Devin Booker. I wasn't sure which one I was going to roll with. And then Trey Young. And in the end, I chose Booker. Yeah, good. And my second pick was Bradley Beal. All right. And his was more, he was the best available. I know there's the talk about Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal, how they coexist, how they work. But I felt overall he's the best talent on the board, so I chose him. And then I have to check, hold on. I have the acting surprise since I have an idea of this list. So yeah, just for our fans. Sure. Yeah, and did make some good picks on that I didn't know. Yeah, uh, I'm not familiar with. I'm sure you're not either. Uh, I knew all these guys I drafted, but some of them were more like based on because Yahoo Sports it says um they have no, player notes on a lot of the guys, and it's yeah. like you could project these kind of stats. Maybe they might do this. I'm like, well, this looks good. Let's go with it. So uh, <laughs> my third pick was Zion. Just like Bradley Beal, he was the best available. He wasn't the guy I wanted to choose. The guy I wanted to choose was taken, like, the pick before. But I said, let's just go with Zion. Then, fourth, similar. I didn't want to choose. I didn't want this pick. I mean, I like that guy, but the person I wanted was drafted, like, right before. My fourth pick was uh, Kyle Lowry. Then, 
I got Kelly Obrey Jr. That one was panic pick. Obrey. That was a panic pick. I had no idea at all who wanted to choose, and then it was like ten seconds left. She was like, "Oh no!" So I just clicked on him. And then uh, this is according to this is not according to position. This is a, um, basically anyone you want, though, really. Yeah, anyone you can get. Right. Well, they they have it. Um, you might have been better off with Kelly Olynyk. They have it split up, like on your roster. They have um, the guards, forward centers, and then bench and utility players, and you could have three bench guys, and then the the roster, the rest of the roster, and so I chose Uber Junior. Then I chose Brandon Clark. Well, actually, I don't know if this was order. This is just what I wrote. Brandon Clark from the Grizzlies, Kobe White. Steven Adams, Rashawn Holmes, Chris Boucher, Naron Zoel. Now, did you have a shot at getting a certain uh, a certain player that I have in mind? But yeah, continue. Zach Levine. No. I wanted Zach. Oh, Le- oh yeah, yeah. Did you get a chance? Speaking of Larry, to pick OG Ananobi. I think he was still on the board, but I was like, is he that good? And then he was taken, I think. I wanted um, Zach Levine, but he was taken early. Oh, yeah. He's definitely up there. I I think he was taken right before when I picked Zion. Oh, alright. He was picked like right before that. Yeah. Talk about two, uh, dare I say, future All-Stars. You know, like, you know, I believe next year... Yeah, then my final two were Killian Hayes and Tyrese Halliburton, who are two rookies, but the people at Yahoo Sports said good things about them and said, especially Killian Hayes, he'll probably get a lot of minutes as the Pistons point guard, just like Halliburton for the Kings. And these were my last two picks, so there's more of projections, taking a swing or a miss. You don't know what these guys are going to give you in fantasy. So I drafted those two last. And that concluded my roster. Overall, pretty happy with it. Some of these guys, I would rather have chosen someone else, but due to the person being taken like right before, or honestly was stumped about who to draft, wasn't that many sexy names. I end up with these guys, but overall, don't have any qualms really about my roster. So I think that concludes Bulldog Sports Show episode 52. Season two, episode two, of the program. This is one yeah, of my. We have to get updates uh, each week for at least once for your fantasy basketball league. Yeah, it starts uh, get opening night, which is like next week. I'll be ready to go with my fantasy league. Talking about talk about reality, you know, it'll become reality when the prize through fantasy league. Talk about. 
news segments. Like that's definitely uh, a fun one to to to, to feature. It's going to be continuous. Oh, and the last final comment. I don't want to forget this guy before we leave. And that is Chateau of the Chicago Bulls. He had a good game. Only two points, which doesn't scream like sensational. He came in late in the fourth quarter, early fourth quarter. But he had a really sexy pass to Channel Hudson to set up the dunk. A great Shovel, no-look pass by Chateau to set that up. So good job for him for those impact in the limited minutes. So I want to give him credit because I know DJ Bang and Bull and I probably won't be looking to talk about Chateau during the real Saragor season unless he gets big minutes. But I have to give talking points and credit to guys who come off the bench because when I played basketball, a lot of times I was coming off the bench, so I understand the feeling of coming off the bench and how it goes. Give us hot sauce. <laughs> so that concludes our 52nd episode. If you have anything you want to talk about, feel free to send us a message on Twitter at the Blog Sports Show or Instagram Blog Sports Show page. We will gladly appre- appreciate those and try to reply to any comments. And if there is anything related to the teams that we cover, well, I think we should reiterate what teams we cover so you'll know, really. So the teams we cover, at least according to our profile <laughs> and description, are the Bulls, Bears, Blackhawks, Cubs, White Sox, Red Stars, Manchester City, Fulham, Arsenal, and WWE. I don't believe that. I think that's all of them. Oh, Dash. And... That is all the teams we cover. So thank you for listening and see you soon here on Blog Sports Show. We are available on sites such as Apple, Anchor, Spotify, Overcast, Radio Public, and more. Anywhere you get your podcast. Yeah, one thing from Apple, me, is that feel free to send us a voice message, which right. you can do so through Anchor. So I hope, uh, you know, fans, they have Anchor app, which is the most convenient way to, you know, straight to the source. And you can basically help us uh, that way with sending in your voice messages. So how that works is that you go into Anchor application. You can also do so on your desktop. And you hit uh, where the option is for us add voice message and record one it could be very brief 15 seconds maybe 10 seconds under a minute yeah or under a minute right so and be heard and thus featured on our program so we can also be that um after our uh show's intro we can actually add that in uh, as the very first topic before the first five so or it could be a buffer for uh, in between uh, advertisements and, right. and all. So excited. I hope uh, everyone enjoys their their week. I definitely am and will. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to an uh, amazing uh, weekend and uh, some future uh, spectacular episodes for season two.